Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Games are so much more than, well, games. They're complex, engaging, exciting artifacts that play a significant role in society, education, and beyond. That's why we founded Board Game Academics earlier this year. As a group of tabletop gamers and academic professionals, our mission is to combine research and gaming in novel ways that benefit academia and the tabletop industry. We're doing this by focusing on the historical, cultural, and systemic exploration of games as they relate to complex themes like race, gender, nationality, ability, sexuality, and class. To present and celebrate the work of the researchers who have submitted their papers to Board Game Academics, we are holding an inaugural conference on August 2nd. If you're attending Gen Con Trade Day, join us at 2 p.m. on August 2nd. If you're not, registration is now open for the virtual conference taking place on the same day. Register today and discover the exciting, creative, and thoughtful approaches to gaming that are encouraging meaningful discourse between researchers, teachers, and gamers. Use the discount code PODCAST on our website, boardgameacademics.com, when registering to receive the student rate. Again, that discount code is PODCAST, www.boardgameacademics.com. We look forward to seeing you there. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 434, World Cup video game theme, the IP version. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, friends, we are back and we are talking about the most epic, world-spanning, digital version of the World Cup. So, Anthony, a World Cup thing is happening. Yeah, World Cup is... I mean, okay, so if you're not a soccer fan, you're like, okay, I hear about this all the time. What is it? Obviously, it's the biggest thing in the world if you are a soccer fan. 
and so there are two World Cups every four years. There's one, it's the Men's World Cup, and then the next year is the Women's World Cup. Um, the Women's World Cup is particularly exciting, I think, in the United States, because our team is ridiculously <laughs> good. The, the women, the U.S. women have won the last two World Cups, and they are the favorites mm-hmm. to win this one as well. The U.S. men are lucky if they make it into the World Cup. <laughs> so They did last time, but the time before that, I believe they did not. So yeah. it's it's fun either way, seeing the best players in the world play for their country, which they get as, as emotional as you could imagine. Um, sure. Versus like their day job playing for whatever city they're in. So it's a lot of fun. It lasts for about two weeks. There's a group stage in which four teams play against each other each once. And then the top two teams from that group move on. And then it not goes to a knockout round of 16 teams. So we, we love to do this when there is one. And what we do is we pick 32 games that represent some theme. This time we're talking about video games and then we, we run them through, we knock them out, and we pick a winner. So uh, the, the World Cup is a lot of fun. It's fun to kind of run through these things, similar to what we do in February and March for the uh, March Madness. Yeah, so we have a, a really cool format to talk about some really amazing games. And a lot of times those video game versions of board games kind of pop and disappear immediately. But there's a lot of great games in there. So we want to talk about all the greats. And then, of course, smash them up, see who wins, because, again, it's video game theme. So game over for some of them and continue for some other ones. And then, again, we'll do it again and again until we come down to a final winner. So it'll be a lot of fun. That's our feature view, so stick with us. Anthony, that's not the only thing that's going on. Stuff is happening with us. We've been dealing with some technical issues over the last couple of months, and we're trying to bring it home. And it looks like we have a new platform. Yeah, yeah, we've been swapping around um, various different tools, trying to find a good one that fits for us. Um, the platform we had been using had some market issues that we're developing. You may have heard some of the issues. Uh, so we are, we've are we been testing new stuff. We are hopeful that we've kind of landed on what works best. Obviously, if you have any feedback, please send it along. We always appreciate it. Um, but mm-hmm. the plus side is we are now back on YouTube with the audio episodes. Um, for a while there, we were not because the platform we were using did not support that. We're on a different one now, and it does support that. So <laughs> if you like listening to podcasts on YouTube, and it's just the podcast, there is no video component uh, at the moment, at least. Uh, check it out. It's there. It's it's uh, it's available on our channel um, under podcasts. <laughs> so YouTube.com slash C slash Anonymous. Yeah, please do subscribe at the very least. It does help with our numbers. A lot of times people take the YouTube stuff super, super seriously. So we could have tens of thousands of listeners on every episode of the podcast. And if we only have a couple subscribed or listening on the YouTube channel, for some reason, it doesn't make a blip with some of the publishers and the people out there. So again, subscribe, listen, or just click along and give us a like or thumbs or whatever it is these days. All right, Anthony, so that's what's going on with us, but there's a lot of things going on in the industry. We recently have been doing our last 10, which is our last 10 years of great gaming. It's going to be our 10-year anniversary coming up, and recently we talked about the Spiel des Jahres and the Kennerspiel, and guess what? There's winners. There's three winners. Yeah, we got games. I called at least one of them. I don't remember what I thought the Kennerspiel would be. But I, I did call the spiel last week. You heard it. That was not Whoa. dropped in. I, I didn't ADR that at all. So 
<laughs> that's great yeah so dwarf romantic one uh the spiel is yours it's the honestly it's the only one of the bunch that i've played but i did really like it when i played it you can listen to my review mm-hmm. um from a few weeks ago and yeah it's, it's a really faithful adaptation of the video game and the video game already felt like a board game so <laughs> i think it's like sure a snake eating its own tail a little bit but i'm happy with it i know some people aren't but i'm happy with it um the the Kenner Spiel winner was Challengers, which I know was controversial uh, as expected. Uh, as we mentioned last week, the Kenner Spiel is designed not as the heavy game category, but as the next step category. So these are yes. meant to be games for people who have played Spielless Yars games and are capable of playing something heavier, but not a game for like us. You know, it's yeah, not a Lacerda. Is, yeah, this is audience voting kind of like this is the gamer game from like popularity. And again, challengers was what I thought. Cause again, it was the lighter of the three. Iki is certainly the superior game. And then planet unknown have not played yet, but a little bit lighter, but challengers seem to be of that weight. So to speak. Yeah. It makes the most sense based on what this award is supposed to be. Um, mm-hmm. So whether you like it or not is not relevant to that question. I don't know. I haven't played it, <laughs> but um, it, it's definitely in line with what, they're going for for this award you know yeah it's up on board game arena so if you want to try it for free you could do so and i was pulling for the kinderspiel and i and i got myself a win there anthony yeah that's Mysterium kids yeah this is great i'm glad i remember when they announced this i was just happy that it existed because mysterium is such a cool family type of thing but it's a little too scary for the kids Mm -hmm. yeah they they They've done a really good job. I mean, I remember years... We were just talking about Gen Con before we came on mic. Anthony, do you remember the booth for Mysterium way back when? Oh, yeah. That was really cool. I remember and that was... The year that game launched, it was like a big deal. And I was not interested because it's just not my kind of game. And I was like, what is... Why are people obsessed with this thing? But like, maybe they just want to go inside that awesome looking booth. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I think, if I remember, it was released in Poland. It was a Polish game? Yeah. Initially? Yeah. And everyone was trying to get their hands on it, even though, I mean, like us English speaking people were trying to get their hands on it. And it was just, it was fantastic. I mean, I, I, I love that game. I've played so many times. It's my most played party game over the last, geez, when it, when it, I think 2015, it came out. Mm. So ever since I was able to get an English copy, I've been playing with family. I've been playing with friends, gamers, and it's got a really cool you know gm dm kind of board set up for you so if you've ever run an, an rpg the idea of this trifold board with all the cards and you have to give clues and stuff like that is a lot of fun and i don't know it's just it's a really great game and then when they shrunk it down and made it a little less scary i guess for the kids more family friendly mysterium park which was pretty much the same kind of game it was still a cooperative standalone game but didn't have the murder weapons because again, I always thought it was weird that clue a game for kids and families <laughs> was all about who murdered who and with what weapon. Yeah. That's weird. So Mysterium park took out murder weapon kind of thing there. And, and obviously now the kids one, which is great. I love it. I mean, it's, it's better than clue. Yeah. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I love clue, but this makes a lot more sense for kids. So I'm really happy that they released this and this is something you could play with the family. And, you know, it's the same thing. One one player becomes the ghost and the other two must help them, uh, you know, figure out what's going on. So, I, again, great game. Check it out. 
you know, if you can find it, because again, we talked about this. These games are will now be automatically hard to find. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of fun there. And Anthony, uh, you 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 found the One Ring card, right? Yeah. From, from Magic the Gathering. No, we talked about that. Yeah, it's it's in my uh, bookshelf. No one's. Uh huh. Yeah. That's why we got the new platform. We we then we were in hard times up until then. Then you you just nailed it, and we're good now, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I took out a big loan. I just got to get this card <laughs> sold somehow. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Great, 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 great. So. You, you you didn't find the card? No. Oh. No, I got Tom Bombadil. <laughs> Stupid Magic the Gathering. <laughs> well, he's super powerful in his own right, just not worth the kind of cash. But somebody found it out there in the world. You did, yeah. Quickly, too. Like I don't think we talked about this when it happened, but it was like... We didn't, and we should be, because we talk about it offline all the I time. I know, but it was like the end of June, which... It was the weekend the thing launched. They found yeah. it. Which, Shocking. Which I'm sure Wizards of the Coast was like, come on. <laughs> we had this big thing. People were losing their minds. Everybody's out hunting for it, like Wonka chocolate bars. And someone finds it yes. on day one. In Canada. Yeah, in Canada. Which, they, sent, they sent it to Canada. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, on the plus side, we know it's not really rigged then because if it was yes. rigged they would have held it back for several years so people kept looking yes. for it um they did send it out in good faith and someone found it right away and now they are that's a, crazy a multi-millionaire probably <laughs> so. that's crazy i mean i'm i'm happy i'm happy for him for finding it that i i can't Im- i i can't imagine what that experience must have been like to open that pack oh my gosh and just be like this can't be you especially because like, if you're it, opening an opening weekend you're probably at a game store at an event sure. And so you're surrounded by other people. You're like, these are my friends, but they also might murder me for this card. So yes, <laughs> I mean it's literally what the One Ring does, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, what'd you get in your pack? Uh, 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 yeah, I gotta go. Yeah, this this gaming thing is not really my thing. And <laughs> where's the back door? Can I? Yeah. Can I, can I take the back. I can take the back door. Right. Sneak out the back. I can sneak out the back. It's crazy. I. It's it's cool though. Um. The whole thing's been kind of fun, a little gross in a capitalist kind of way, but also kind of fun. Sure. Just like watching people hunt for it. And there's other stuff out there. There's a bunch of other serial numbered rings to find. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I I have not bought Magic the Gathering cards in like 10 years, and I haven't played regularly for like 20. And I have bought a few packs of this set because they're fun to look at. It's fun to kind of see how they've transferred the mechanics over to this particular world but the artwork is also really really interesting which is always the thing about magic right you get all these different artists they're all doing different cool things beautiful fantastic so it's not like fantasy flight where you have like one interpretation of the world (laughs) and it's kind of redundant across their games it's a hundred different people's interpretation of this world and that's really cool and some of them are like a lot of fun to look at yeah no i've really been impressed by all the artwork that's been out there all the images and it just it really it does draw you in yeah it does want you know if you have any kind of connection to the lore whatsoever you do want to get back into it so they're doing like you said they're doing what they need to do to to draw people back in i guess it's you know they did the same thing with transformers so it's like oh yeah transformers i like that please don't pull me in oh lord of rings i like that like i can't i can't do that and then the one ring card i again I, i guess the best thing to say is it, it's good for everyone's wallets yeah. <laughs> that this was found because 
inevitably I would have been drawn to at least buy one or two insanely expensive packs just to think maybe I would have one shot in a million just to have that one shot. Yeah. So I'm shocked that this, this got picked up so quick. I, know. I, I want to call shenanigans on it. I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, it seemed like a really nice guy. Canadian guy. Just, it's just so weird. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's how random distribution works, right? It could have, I guess it get found on the first day or it could get found in 10 years. Who knows? Well, like you said, that's it's good that it long on the long term. It's good that it is. It's a little sad that it is because we can't go buying decks hoping that like five years from now or ten years from now. And I guess I feel bad for all those people who must have like invested. Yeah, right. There had to be a lot of gamers out there who bought tons of these cards. That's the thing, right? Like, and, and we know people who do this, so they they we do. probably went and bought all these collectors boxes, put them in storage, and they're like, I'm gonna yes. let these appreciate and hope nobody finds that ring. Yes. And then these cards, which have just gotten more expensive, like there is no MSRP. It's kind of a gross thing that Wizards does. There is no MSRP Terrible. on the collector's cards. They could people could sell them for whatever they want. But like yeah. the pack I bought on opening the release day was like thirty two dollars. Right? Mm -hmm. Cases of these for twelve were going for about four fifty and they kept going wow. up until somebody announced right. they'd found it. And now it's kind of back down around four hundred bucks. That's still crazy though. It's still like forty bucks a pack. Um, yeah, and I cannot imagine what those would cost if you waited five years and nobody found that ring. You know, hundred oh, bucks imagine. a pack, two hundred bucks a pack. I'm sure. I mean, they do that with a lot of like baseball cards, right? Yeah. Where like these are packs, and it could have like the the thing that you'd want or not. And do you open it? Right. <laughs> it's like yeah. Even if you sell it for like a hundred thousand dollars, if it has the card, you've just given away millions. Yeah. I know. So, it's all gambling, it's, man. It's all gambling. Oof, terrible. And and surprisingly enough, the, the card itself was graded, which was brilliant and smart. And yeah. The person did everything right, but was only a, a nine grade ranking, which is because of production issues. It was yeah. it doesn't seem like the person who opened it, you know, did anything wrong. It was just it wasn't a perfect printing, which is terrible i'm sorry <laughs> i can't <laughs> the thing is it doesn't matter though because there's only one the thing could have come out yeah. bent in half and it doesn't matter because there's still only one of them oh my god if you bent that card in half and you're <laughs> just like if you if you mistakenly like rip the pack or something nope 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 <laughs> <laughs> nope let's not even talk about that that's that's way too painful that's that's that would be a bad bad thing so Again, congratulations to whomever, and I and I think I don't know if the name has been released at at this point. Again, keep hide, yeah. <laughs> hide the ring, hide it, keep it secret, keep it safe, <laughs> tell no one, and various other Lord of the Rings quotes that are related. <laughs> All right, well, that's what's going on in the world of people getting really cool cards and things out there. Uh, obviously we'll be at gen con and maybe we get some cool stuff i mean lorcana is going to be there for half a second before it sells out so i don't know we will we will be there to witness the blur of people who just take out that booth within three minutes yeah. i'm sure yeah well i don't know if we'll be there and, to witness it but we'll hear it in the distance well the blur yeah. the blur i'm saying like <laughs> it's it's almost like the after image it's not you won't even see it happen you'll just see like oh it's like light that comes from a star from millions of years ago no, yeah. It'll be just, it'll yeah. just be like, oh, that was, a th it moves so quickly that that's all it left was the blur in front of the blur. booth. The blur. I still like to get some of those cards, but I won't be able to. I know that for sure. More or less. You never know. 
<laughs> we'll see. All right. So, Anthony, that's what's going on with us. That's what's going on with everyone in the world. Let's talk about, you know, what our friends are talking about. What's our question of the week? All right. Question of the week this week was pretty simple. Uh, what's your favorite color and why? <laughs> Player color. Color of what? Player you have to be color. more specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Player color. Yeah, right. yeah. Not just favorite color. It does overlap a lot, but also not always because, well, we'll get we'll get to it. Um, so over on the Patreon, uh, Drew says blue. One, it's usually available in games. Two, I usually wear blue. Three, it hasn't been claimed by my gaming group. So I think those are like three of the big ones, right? Sure. Is it in games? Do I like it? And are other people going to take the color? Um, Charlie says purple. Uh, because it stands out on the board in most games. I find this is less true in space games, since purple is a popular art color. Purple's a tough one. I I always will take purple as well. I like purple, but it's not in a lot of games. True. Uh, Whiskey Punk says, orange, it's my favorite color. I even bought a bunch of random orange pieces so I could add them to games that don't have orange. Oh, that's awesome. That's I love that. commitment, man. Um, if not available, I usually play... yellow. Yeah. Yeah, I usually play orange if it's available, but it's rarely available. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. It's like endless in a you know tool games. There's often orange because he has all those mm. pastels. Um, Ryan also says orange because it's bright, flashy color that is generally easier to find on the game board. Uh, Martin says yellow is my go-to. It's so bad that if I'm not yellow, I will move your stuff. Ah, there you go. Yeah. A lot of these <laughs> answers. A lot of people mentioned how they will move other people's stuff or all right so i'm not alone no you are not alone <laughs> sir um i always tell people it's my assigned favorite color from my wife early on during setup she kept handing me the yellow player stuff and i asked her why she did that she told me i thought yellow was your favorite color oh yes that's adorable yeah uh peter says also yellow i used to always play green my friend played yellow his reason for playing yellow was that yellow is generally the last one chosen uh every time someone in a different group i was hosting continually took green for me so i started taking yellow as it was last chosen. <laughs> when I would go back to the other group, this would cause problems as my friend would now move my pieces. Over time, yellow became my color in both groups. And now if someone else takes yellow, I will end up moving their pieces. There you go. This is why I primarily play yellow. Uh, this came up a lot. Like I said, I have experienced this. I've gone through this. I'm on my third color. I started with blue and then I found out everybody wants to be blue. And then people will legitimately fight about it, which is stupid. Mm-hmm. Then I was green, uh, but I became friends with you, Chris, and you always moved my stuff. <laughs> it's true. And so now I'm red because no one ever seems to want to be red, at least in the That's groups weird. that I've traveled in. So I'm red because it's the one that people don't take from me. And purple if they have it. I I started out, and again, this is a rarity. Like I would always pick black. Again, it stood out on the game board. It's a super cool color. But it's rare to find in board games. So it was black or it was orange. Again, a super cool color. Great to find on the board, but rarely seen. So I was always that kind of player that was teaching the games and would always take like the last color, which usually was the odd color out. Rarely, again, every once in a while, depending on the board game, you would get that uh, nude slash raw wood color which is always kind of a cool piece, right? When everything everything's always painted to get the actual wood color, it was kind of cool. So like the oddity colors were always a lot of fun, but they were rarely available. And again, when we started playing, I think, again, people were taking red and blue in our group, at least initially. And I was like, all right, green, I guess. I'll go with green. And green was not my favorite color. 
by any stretch of the imagination. And I was just like, all right, cool, greens. I'm guessing green is my thing now. And then I would, yes, I would move people's pieces. Did not mean to do that. So, but it's kind of easy if you can get locked in on a color just because as the game goes on and you're absorbing information, if you're not playing the color that you think you're playing or you traditionally play or often play, you're absorbing the wrong information unconsciously, I think, on yeah. some level. So it's like, oh, I'm, I am I know what my next move is. And you're like, all right, cool, take your next move. And you're like, oh, damn it, that's not my color. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, you just absorb that color's information into your processing without even thinking about it. So, yeah, colors is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. I, um... I don't know. It's a funny thing. I, I'm sure I move people's pieces sometimes too. So I never get upset when people do it. I'm just like, Hey, 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 stop it. <laughs> yeah. That's happened a lot of times where you're like, Oh, cool. Thanks for giving me points. They're like, what? I'm like, that's my player color. Yeah. And they're like, Oh yeah. Okay. I was, I'm trying to remember what game it was. It might have been like cancel a four or something. Um, I think it was actually. And then like two thirds of the way through the game, one of the players had like six points. And we're like, what is happening? How are you doing this badly? And then at the next round, I realized they were moving someone else's piece. Oh, and so that piece, rough. that player had like eighty points, and it's because they had all the points for both players. <laughs> <laughs> and it went on for an hour. Oh no! And I was like, "How did nobody notice that?" <laughs> uh, and I, of course, told them when we stopped playing because I was like, "Well, this is not. We should. This isn't fun for anybody now because all the scores are wrong." <laughs> yeah, and again, I think it's one of those situations too with the game board itself mm -hmm. some designers production people are more aware of this than others so it's like the worst thing is when you get a game board it's like it's all green and then you're like oh cool there's green pieces you're mm. like i will never see those things again yeah or they always go with the primary colors but the board is primary colors so it's like is that my thing or is it a resource i'm not really sure which is on the board and it's just it can be very problematic to say the least right so yeah so again thanks to everybody who wrote in um we had a bunch of comments across everywhere i think 50 total comments from everyone Woo! so great great one everybody has an answer for this one thankfully <laughs> um, i know it's one of those little things yeah yeah so special shout out to peter over on the patreon also posted it on facebook which is awesome thanks peter because then everybody can see your answer um you are our contest winner for uh, this week i will reach out to you with our available prizes all right, great. Thanks, everybody. Love hearing from you. All right, so that's everything that's happening from our listeners. Anthony, let's get on to the games that we want to hit the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right, yeah, so I'm going to keep it simple and quick this week because we got a big old World Cup thing coming up. But mm -hmm. this game is called Luddite. It is on Kickstarter right now, and it is a roll and write, but with a graphic novel narrative integrated into it. So... You can work together, or you're not working together, but a whole group of people can kind of progress through the story together, however many you want, because it's a roll and write. And you are a Luddite, so you are trying to hack into this system and basically fight this AI type of system. The story seems, at, at a top level, kind of all over the place, but it's basically humans versus AI, and you're trying to break the machine, which oh. I'm all for, because AI is gonna eat us man it's no good <laughs> i for one welcome our ai overlords just yeah saying. you say that <laughs> i do they're, they're awesome and they are certainly not at all listening to this in the future and 
going to spare me from the uh, AI apocalypse. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, yeah, like the it's a roll and write, obviously first and foremost. So it's pretty straightforward. There is a print and play option if you just want to like if it's like six bucks, you can download it, or you can pay the full like forty bucks for the digital or for the physical version of it. There's also a digital version of it. So a lot of different ways to play this. Um, there's not a lot to it, obviously. The the graphic novel being mixed in there is kind of cool. It's like a separate thing, but like the game itself is like three dice and um, some pens, right? So I I'm gonna check this out. I'll probably back it at like the the print and play level um, just to see what it's like, and uh, it looks cool. I I like this idea of kind of mixing mediums a little bit. So it's it's not just a game. It's not just a graphic mm-hmm. novel. It's like an interesting, unique way to build a narrative into a game that you wouldn't think of being narrative based. So uh, cool stuff. It's not doing, I mean, it's, it's hit its goal in Kickstarter, but it's not made a ton of money yet. It's like a 22 K. So you got two weeks left though. So if you're interested, check it out. Um, It's a clever little project. And um, I don't know if this is a first timer for these guys or not. So I was trying to find Mm. it, but it, it, it looks to be unique. Right. And I'm all about unique stuff. So, Luddite. Was that narr- was that narrative written by the AI? Probably. <laughs> there you go. Comes uh, back around to it. People keep trying to do that ironically, and then everybody's like, no, it's bad. Stop it. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> There's no situation. You're not making a statement. Just stop using the AI to create art. It's bad. Oh, uh, come on. No one's going to protest against that. Yeah. Bad. <laughs> All right. Well, I got to... I got a great Kickstarter. Actually, in fact, on Patreon, I do a dozen great Kickstarters every other week. A lot of good projects, especially from first-time designers. Big fan of first-time designers getting their games out there. I think Ding Dong was one of them. Ovation was one of them. But the one I want to talk about is Stone Spine Architects. Craft the most perilous labyrinth and become a dungeon master in this card drafting game for one to five players. So... Uh, this comes from Thunderworks Games, and you probably know them best for cartographers. We know them best for role player, and this is a card drafting game in which you are building up a dungeon, and it's you know it's pretty abstract, right? So you get a hand of cards, you pick a card, you play a card to your tableau to be able to build out this wondrous little dungeon full of creatures and monsters and stuff, basically four by four. What I like really about this so much is it's so clean, neat, and streamlined. It's got that boss monster feel where you're building up the dungeon or dungeon lords and things like that. And it's just, you know, abstracted enough out of the way where it's a puzzle, right? So you take your card, you play it, you get your gold, and then you play another card on top of it or beside it. And then throughout the game they make these nice little little tile squares because of, of the way they kind of overlap each other. You're trying to match your bonus goals, so a lot of the, the different spots have um, monsters and ooze and all that kind of fun stuff. And, you know, most points win. Not a very complicated game, but looks like a lot of fun. Like I said, the blueprint cards are very cool. I wish it had, like, little meeples or miniatures just to go on top of the cards, but again, I, that would certainly skyrocket the price and that does not need to happen <laughs> it does not need to happen that being said if you want to pick this game up and i definitely should take a look at it 
Um, they're also offering a Minotaur plushie, if that is your thing, for about 20 bucks. But the game itself, along with its mini expansion, is $36. So not a bad cost for a game. And it has some other, you know, levels as far as picking up other stuff and other expansions and things of that level. But yeah, if you're looking for the game itself, again, I don't know if you're looking for the plushie, you can, but the game itself is $36. Shipping is fairly, again, going back to like what's expensive and not, fairly inexpensive. In the U.S., you're, you're again, talking about eight bucks, and it has a small discount. This is something you could certainly pick up in the secondary market, but if you want to check it out, it's on Kickstarter, and it'll back on Tuesday, August 1st, 2023. Cool. Yeah, this looks cool, uh, and they make good games. Like Even the ones that haven't really clicked with me, I'm like, it's good. I can tell it's good. It's just not for me. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So those are the things we want to get to the table. Anthony, let's talk about the games that did hit the table this week. We'll let people know if those games are a buy and they should run and pick those games up. If those games are a play and they should sit down and play them. If those games are a dodge and they should avoid them. Or in fact, if the games are the dreaded burn. And no matter what you do, no matter the player color, you will not ever play them again. So what do you have for this week? All right. So I am going to talk about the Princes of Florence. And okay. you might be saying, hey, that game is 23 years old. And I would say, yes. Hey! That game's 23 years old. It is, Chris. It is 23 years old, but it's it's a good one, and there's a new edition of it coming out this month uh, from WizKids. So they sent us a copy of the game. Um, this is a review copy uh, we're talking about here. And it, it also happens to be one of my favorite games. So I this has been on my top 100 for several years. I really enjoy it. Um, it's a funny one. Uh, made by Wolfgang Kramer and, and the Ulrichs. But it's a funny one because it does feel like a game that came out 23 years ago. And at the same time, it still feels ahead of its time. So it manages to do both simultaneously because mechanically it's doing really interesting things. But then some of those mechanics feel a little disjointed. Um, the game in a nutshell, though, you have the this player board in front of you with a grid. And you are trying to build out this wonderful location for all these different artisans to come and create their work in your space. So you are, you know, one of the princes of Florence, you are trying to collect the most artists. And it's not just artists. There's like all these different professions, right? But it's this whole idea of like, you know, the Renaissance era where the rich people would spend all their money trying to like be friends with, you know, um, Da Vinci or whatever. So <laughs> the game itself um, takes place over the course of uh, several rounds. And in those rounds, you are going to be um, trying to play out these profession cards. And there's a few different things you can do. So each round starts with an auction. There's some available pieces. There's some landscape tiles. There's um, builders that make building the buildings cheaper. There's jokers that make your stuff more valuable. But generally, you're just adding stuff to your player board. Um, and then on your action phase, you take two actions. And those will be to um, draw prestige cards up, recruit cards, uh, or various other cards that you can get. Um, you can build things. So at the beginning of the game, it's really expensive to build. So you're going to want to get like one builder eventually, but you can build these different buildings. They don't do anything except they need to match what the work cards are looking for. So you have these profession cards in your hand. You'll start with a few. And they have like a list of things on the left that you're that those individuals are looking for before they'll come work at your estate. Um, and so you want to like build the building that they want and you want to have the, the freedom that they're looking for. Um, 
And once you've done that, then those cards become worth a certain amount of points. Each round, you have to, when you play, if you choose to play a work card, it has to reach a certain certain threshold. So like the first round, it's seven, but by the end of the game, it's like 17. So the cards have to be worth a bunch of points, which means you have to put stuff into your tableau. And that's basically it. It's kind of balancing this out. Like, when do I add stuff? When do I play work cards? When you play the work cards, you know, it's not just hitting that threshold, but getting as high as you can, because that's how you make money in this game, is you get florins for every point of value that the card is. And as you get to the end of the game, you can choose to not take those florins and take points instead. So it's a lot of balancing these different things of like, when do I want money? How much money do I need? How do I make sure I have enough to do what I'm trying to do? What do how much do I bid in this auction to make sure I have enough for the um, actions that I'm taking later? It's it's very fun, and it's relatively quick. The game is like an hour, hour and a half long. So it, it flies through. Um, this version of it is basically the same thing that came out in 2000, but they've packed in a few extra things for us. So it has the expansion for the game, the Muse and the Princess, which adds these additional cards, um, special character cards that people can bid on as a second part of the auction phase. I've never played this game without this, so I can't tell you what the base game's like without it, but I would say, based on how much I like the game with it, it's worth having. <laughs> so um, I think most recent editions of the game come with this expansion, so I don't know how, you know, it, unless you have a really old version, your, your mileage may vary here. Um, it also comes with a solo mode um, and two-player rules. The solo mode is, I believe, taken from the Automa rules from Balau or Bulu um, on Board Game Geek, because uh, I know that their those rules made it into the the Korean edition that came out last year, and I I couldn't match the in the rulebook. I couldn't quite match like the ownership there, but I'm pretty sure it's their rules. So again, if you have an older version of the game. You can go to Board Game Geek, and then the Automa rules are there for you. You don't need to buy this new edition. Um, so who is the new edition for? Um, if you want much better artwork, <laughs> that's that's part one. I won't say it's the best artwork I've ever seen. Um, it's kind of got this weird hyper-realistic cell shading kind of thing going on. But it's significantly better than the older version that I had, right? Which was very, very brown. Just bland, brown, blah. <laughs> so... Uh, great game, but everything looked like a blueprint, but brown. So this one's much more colorful. It's more interesting. You have artwork for all the professions. There's people doing things. Um, the boards are nice and pretty. Like It's it's just a nice game to look at. Uh, production quality is decent throughout. It's not amazing, but it's fine. Um, and if you have an older version and don't have all the extra stuff in the box, like the, the expansion or the two-player rules or the solo rules or the deck that you need to play the solo rules, which now comes with the, with the game, um, it's all here as well. For everybody else who doesn't have this a version of this game, it's well worth checking out. It's a very good um, game from Wolfgang Kramer, Richard Ulrich, Jans, Christopher Ulrich, all-time great designers. Um, and this edition is solid and not ridiculously stupid expensive because it wasn't kickstarted. So they're just releasing it. Thank you, WizKids. So highly recommend it. This has been a buy for me forever. It's still a buy. I think this edition of it does the game justice it doesn't add anything new or different or amazing you don't have metal coins or anything in there but <laughs> it's does everything it needs to do it feels like a game that was released like physically like 10 years ago before like the ridiculousness of kickstarter took off and i appreciate it because it's a game that i can recommend people go buy and it's not 100 bucks <laughs> so sure. uh, 
Princess of Florence, definitely check it out. Uh, one of my all-time favorites, and this edition is a very solid one. Nice. Yeah, you you talked me into buying a, I guess, very old slash original slash ding and dent version of this because you liked it so much. So I somewhere I still have that. That I was like, oh, it's another polyomino game with beige on beige on beige. <laughs> if only this... And and again, this is you know it's I I think on some level it can be a fair criticism because polyominoes by their very nature are interesting by their different shapes and designs, but when they're not colored anything other than beige beige and beige, right? It it kind of diminishes the fun and the the construction of the polyominoes into a thing. Yeah. So I'm I'm really glad that this has gotten the facelift it deserves because again it's not just oh it looks pretty. It's, oh, this is a lot more functional and fun. And I think that's, you know, it fits the theme at the very least. Yeah, yeah. And, like, there are polyominoes, too. I just want to clarify here, because I know we talk about this a lot. And I'll be like, yay, polyominoes. And Chris is like, <laughs> whoa, that sucks. I hate that. Well, they're, yeah. They're not really the core part of the game. It's how no. you put your buildings out. But really, the game is about the efficiency engine of making sure you have enough money to do the things you need to do, but not so many things that, that you then can't play the cards you need to play to get points. Um, the buildings are just part of that. They're one part of it. So mm-hmm. it's not a polyomino game. It's not Feast for Odin or anything like that. No, no, no. It just happens to have those tiles. And yeah, you're right. They're much prettier to look at now. And you can tell the difference between the buildings, which I think is exactly hugely important because before it did all kind of blend together into this soup. Yeah, and you want to be able to, especially a game of this type, you should be able to scan it very, very quickly and simply and know exactly where you are and where everyone else is. And previously, that was a little more difficult, especially if you have some visual impairments as well, or just wear glasses from a distance. And they're like, oh, what's that beige building? Is that my? Yeah. Is that a thing? And they're like, nah, no. Or they look like they blend together. So you're like, oh, I have this building. And you're like, then you look at it closer, and someone else is like, you don't have that building. You're like, yeah, you're like, oh, crud, those are two different buildings. And they're like, and they're not supposed to be adjacent to each other. You're like, man. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's, yeah. No, this is great. I'm really glad that they, they took the time with, you know, I'm looking forward to playing this. What a great game. Yep. Uh, one of the games, again, this is weirdly kind of similar in a way. I guess uh, this is Point Salad. Ah, um, nice. Point Salad is a game that I picked up a long time ago, played it, liked it. But again, since it it is not, I don't know, it's not as complex as, as we had hoped when we think of a Point Salad game, right? Point Salad games are typically games in which you score tons of points by practically doing anything whatsoever. But when they recently announced that Point City from AEG Games will be coming out uh, at this Gen Con, I was like, hey, I need to get Point Salad out again because they're somewhat similar. Point City is more of the crunch. There's certainly some croutons in there and of the games because it, it does have more of an engine building situation because you are gathering resources in order to purchase buildings and then the buildings do things for you a la splendor in a way where they give you additional resources or they score you points based upon what resources you have available in the game so i was like oh am i going to go to gen con and pick up point city well let's try point salad right so pull that point salad again and if you have not paid point salad you should it's a lot of fun for a quick and easy game that i i'm going to say here you could literally play this with anybody and I mean kids. There's no reason why kids can't play this game because the artwork, uh, 
the text, the colors, everything is so self-explanatory. It doesn't even need words on it. And it has words on it on top of everything else. But basically, you're doing one of two things. You're either taking two vegetables from a, a, a tableau market, or you're taking a bowl's point scoring card. And that point scoring card will tell you exactly what kind of vegetables score in the positive, what scores in the negative. And that's primarily the game. So as the game goes on, you're collecting more vegetables, more point scoring cards. And it has a really cool dynamic where the point salad cards, the scoring cards, the bowl cards on the other side is the vegetable cards. So this is a problem with a lot of Tableau market games is that they don't refresh. But when people take vegetables, those point salad cards flip over and they become the vegetable that you might need because you can actually see that on the card. So you could strategically on some level be able to pick the right card so that other things flip and become available for you at a later turn. On top of which, if you got a point salad card scoring card, that's not really working for you. There's an optional rule where you can actually flip that card over back to the vegetable side and score additional points. I guess the most fun about this game is as people are building up particular vegetables in which they're scoring. So if you got carrots, get all the carrot scoring cards. And then as you do that, people start seeing that. And then there's some hate drafting or you're yelling at other players. Dear God, just take some carrots because we got to stop this carrot roll that's going on here. It's a lot of fun. It's a great game. Plays with everybody. I mean, I would say it's less than a two minute talk. You're taking two vegetables or you're taking the point scoring card. That's it. Mm -hmm. Fun game, easy game, inexpensive game, game that you should be getting to the table. Certainly, absolutely check that game out. That is point salad. Great game. Yeah. And any, anytime we talk about, oh, you can play with anybody. I just always, if I could play it with my students, like teach it to them and they can play it and finish it in the class and they have fun. That's like anybody could play. That's literally anybody. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody. We are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And this, is a, this one's always a hit. All right. So that's now on to our feature review. So our feature review this week, Anthony, is, of course, the big World Cup gaming phenomenon. This year, the theme is video games. There's video games and board games? Yeah, crazy. Uh, video games and board games, it's it's become more of a thing. It's been around for 25 years. People have been making games out of video games. Um, it makes sense. They cross over. There's a lot of shared DNA in terms of how they're designed and developed and produced. Uh, but at the same time, it's really since Kickstarter, and we talk about this a lot, that we are starting to see like a flood of them. And the reason for that is there's a lot of games that were like, look, miniatures of the character that you love in this video game. <laughs> now it's on the table and there's 4,000 of them and it's $700. People pay for it. It's crazy. Um, so we took 32 of those. There are many more. There's like a thousand mm-hmm. on board game geek, but we took 32 based on popularity and recency and matchups. Um, and we put them into eight different groups uh, we're going to talk through each of those groups and tell you which two we feel best represent tabletop gaming, as we like it. Um, mm-hmm. And then we're going to run through the 16 that survive uh, and get to one winner, a uh, World Cup winner mm-hmm. of board game that is based on a video game. <laughs> Here you go. All right. What's up on our first wing here? All right. So I'm going to list off all four and we'll talk about them as we go. Um, We have a good opportunity here to kind of compare and contrast. Uh, Mechs versus Minions, the programming game based on League of Um, (laughs) Legends-ish. Dwarf Romantic, which just won this field as Yars uh, and is a pretty faithful, um, I wouldn't say one-to-one, but pretty close uh, adaptation of that game. Minecraft Builders and Biomes, which is a uh, resource collection game set in the Minecraft universe. And the Monopoly Gamer. That's right. We put Monopoly in here. Uh, This is the Mario Monopoly that uh, shortens the game, makes it point-based, and gives you a limited number of rounds. So it turns Monopoly into a one-hour experience. Better. Is it great? I don't know. It's better. What do you think, sir, of these four games? It's hard to argue against the Spiel des Jahres winner. Um, certainly, that that is the favorite of all favorites here. The only thing that I, I think that kind of really matches up and pushes back a little bit here is Mechs versus Minions. Um, really, really tough. What, I'm going to go with you first, Anthony, because you, you, you've played both of these extensively. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, thankfully, we get to pick two of them. But Yes. Uh, I'll just give, I'll just be blunt here. Monopoly's not moving on, but oh come on, man! <laughs> There's no way. What the heck? I, oh, this blows my mind. I would, no, I would why? quit the podcast if you fought on that one. Oh. <laughs> but it is the least bad version of Monopoly I've ever played. Wow, it's, that is that is saying a lot. It's, it's, there's only it's short, right? It's yes. short. I don't hate it. Like my kids want to play Monopoly, and I'm like, what about the Mario one? And they're like, sure. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I can play the Mar- the Mario one. The game actually ends. Somebody wins. It's great. <laughs> so. Um, there's a Mario Kart version too. I think an Overwatch version they made, but mm-hmm. it's fine. Uh, Minecraft Builders and Biomes is a pretty decent like light Euro type of game, but I don't know that sure. it really fully represents Minecraft very well. Um, it abstracts a lot of things. There's not really 
like you have this big cube full of cubes and you're taking different colors you're mining it basically uh and then using those to build different things out onto the map i don't i don't know that it really captures that as much sure door for romantic perfectly captures that game like if you play that video game and like it you will like the board game because it's basically the same thing but tactile and cooperative which is great and mechs versus minions that's a tricky one because we've talked about this it doesn't really represent the video game but it's such an amazing production and it has so many elements that could be in a video game just not that video game yes so and i will i will say that even though the gameplay itself doesn't mimic the game so to speak straightforward everything else about the game and literally everything else i mean the 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 theme the story the the just everything else all the the stuff that you can play as far as the audio is concerned the characters how they play why they play it's it's spot on so yeah mexican versus minion and dwarf matic yeah all right yeah they'll move those two onto the knockout round pool b we've got this war of mine the board game Mm -hmm. stardew valley the board game gotcha uh and just just so you're all aware, we're going to get into the section here where everything is the board game. The like, board. You're going to hear me say that a lot. <laughs> like the publishers want to make sure you know it's not the video game. It's the board game. Sure. Sniper Elite, the board game. And Sid Meier's Civilization, A New Dawn. Again, really some top level stuff right here on top of everything else. Uh, this war of mine, the board game, <laughs> is quite the undertaking i'm i'm really shocked and surprised that they went ahead and did this Mm -hmm. and it should not work and it does work and it surprisingly works very well and again depending on your mileage i would argue it works better than the video game and it's a it it is true to the video game for sure so that is certainly one of mine and then sid meyer's civilization a new dawn does what we always had wanted a civilization to do game to do and it does it well at the table. So top, top notch on both. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm hundred percent on board with this war of mine. I think it's a brilliant implementation of a very, very difficult game. Like this is a game about surviving a war zone. It's, it's sure. brutal. And they managed to capture all the feelings you get from that video game and put it into tabletop, which is amazing. Absolutely. Um, Civilization of new dawn is one of my favorite games period. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it perfectly captures the video game, but it captures enough elements of it and puts it in an interesting, unique way, especially with the expansion that it works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, Sniper Elite is Sniper Elite. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if you like that series, you probably like this kind of game. It's strategic and tactical in that way. Um, I don't think either one of us is really that kind of gamer, so we're probably not the best people to assess this one, but I think it succeeds in what it's doing. Sure. And the Stardew Valley is just a fun sandbox of an experience. It's fiddly as all get out for a board game. And it's also almost impossible to find. It's always out of print. So yes, I like it. I like that it exists. I think it's a like a weird, silly, messy kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, whereas the, the video game's not really that messy. It's pretty tightly made. So um, yeah, this war of mine and Sid Meier's civilization. I, I would agree with you. Ditto. All right. Next pool. All right, pool C. We've got Age of Empires 3, uh, which later became Age of Discovery. Uh, we have the Witcher Old World. This is the new Witcher game that just released mm-hmm. a couple months ago. Europa Universalis and Street Fighter the Miniatures game. So we've got 
two tactical strategy type of uh, games. We've got a big old RPG and we got a fighting game all turned into board <laughs> games. I mean, back in the day, I mean, I played more Street Fighter than I played any other video game out there. And it was just unbelievable to see it as a board game. And the miniatures were so well crafted that they were worth picking up for the for them alone. The game itself, and I and I think this is a problem with most of these games in this category, is like, hey, you know, let's just barely put a game together here. Now, on the opposite way, Age of Empires 3 is an is like the probably the game I played most on the PC. And I just love and adore that to the ends. And I sometimes even watch you know old playback videos on this so to have that in the board game form and for it to play so well uh you know makes sense for me and that's that's gonna be my pick is age of empires 3 yeah it's a classic and yeah. you know playing the updated version it's clear that it's some of the mechanics are a little outdated but it's still yeah. so good it's such a good game yeah it's on the flip side of that i'm gonna i would say europa universalis is it's about as big and sprawling of a game as you're gonna get uh based on a video game which is funny because a lot of these are big and sprawling sure um, and we played an early version of this oh my god oh, way back when six or seven it's years ago it's and crazy it's just now finally coming out it's like a weight 4.6 on bgg this game wow. is nuts we're talking <laughs> five to ten hours um which is great because if that's the kind of that is yeah. the video game so I, I say we go with that love it no love it remember it way back in the day and getting to sit down and it's just like oh you went for this like it wasn't yeah. like you, you dumbed it down or you played you played fast and loose like this is the game so great absolutely yep all right moving on to pool d we've got Anno 1800 bloodborne the board game master of orion the board game and the witcher adventure game <laughs> uh, i'm gonna telegraph my handle here a little bit and say i absolutely hate the witcher adventure game i think it's terrible Aww. so i put it in here because it is a popular old fantasy play sure. ignacy trevichek game but oh my god i've not had less fun playing a game i think ever so. oh geez well throw a coin to your witcher yeah. I, I played anno 1800 and i played the board game before i played the video game and then after I played the video game, I, I every time and I own a copy of Anno 1800, I I just I, I sneer at it every time I see it on my shelf. I'm like, you're not your brother. Your brother's better. It's like, <laughs> why aren't you doing the cool things that you did in video game format? And it does not. So I, I by process of elimination, that is not a game that should be moving on. Yeah. Master of Orion's very clever and fun and super overlooked. Cryptozoic did a great job there. Bloodborne, the board game, is one of the better of these like dudes on a map type of things. Sure. It's, it's a puzzle. It makes it into a puzzle, which I love. Gotcha. It's a bunch of sprawling boxes from Simon, so meh. But <laughs> the game, the core gameplay is good. Yeah. Same. All right. Well, I think we got our two then. All right. Yeah. Bloodborne and Master of Orion. Uh, pool E, Civilization, the board game. Sid Meier's Civilization, the board game, I should say. Mm -hmm. uh, Gears of War, the board game. Bioshock Infinite, The Siege of Columbia. Oof. And Shovel Knight Dungeon <laughs> Duels. <laughs> Remember how excited we were uh, about Bioshock oh Infinite? Gosh. Like, we actually did a whole episode, I think. Yeah. That was the feature review. That was and like episode four. It was really it was early. <laughs> yes, we, we go back that far that we remember how bad that game was and we're still cringe because it's an amazing thematic i mean the movie is fantastic i mean the movie i, I mean i want to i guess i want to call it a movie because it's just so the cinematics for it it's just it's incredible and it's a great video game 
And then they were like, hey, we're making a board game out of it. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. And like, hey, do you remember the thing you love most? Yeah, I love the thing I, I love the most. That's not this game. And you're like, <laughs> why? They're like, you know that background story with the, the two battling factions? And I'm like, I guess. You're like, that's the board game. I'm like, no. No. And we, yeah, no, I was not, I was not happy about that. Yeah. yeah so. It, it was a weird one. Like, anytime you adapt something, you're like, you're playing as the bad guys. I'm like, why? Yeah. Why? I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to do that. And then the and then it's so funny too because, um, the main two characters are kind of running around the board without you, and you're just and you just the whole game you're just going, why can't I be with them? I want to be with them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now on the opposite side, surprisingly enough, Shovel Knight, uh, again, almost more or less standard kind of throwaway platformer kind of thing. And like Shovel Knight Dungeon Duels, great little game, surprisingly great game for a competitive uh, group. Yeah, yeah, Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight's fun. It's like an old eight bit, sixteen bit style uh, game. I've had a lot of fun with it. There's like four versions of it now, or expansions, or whatever you want to call them. Um, the the board game does a good job of like representing that. It is a side scrolling type of board game. Sure. Um, Gears of War is like a funny one. It's it's very, it's pretty evocative of that. It has like the cover system and everything baked in. You have to like that world though, because it is pretty gritty and grimy. Um, but mechanically, it works really well, and it's very popular in solo circles. It's just been out of print for a million years, and they never brought it sure. back, which is a shame. It is a shame, and and again, that's I think that's a, a lot of the challenges and problems here throughout. Uh, Gears of War, the board game, good game, surprisingly enough, considering how epic the video game was too. All right, there we go. We got Gears of War and Shovel Knight Dungeon Duels. Sorry, Civilization. The newer version is more interesting. Wah, wah. And, and, and sorry again to uh, Bioshock Infinite. Uh, in another reality created by Elizabeth, uh, we get to play her and Booker, but not yeah. this one. So sad, sad but true. Yeah. Yeah. Don't pick the bad guys as protagonists <laughs> in your game. Just saying. All right, Pool F. We got. Starcraft the board game, Doom the board game, Crusader Kings, and Resident Evil 2 the board game. Should we do a list in the future which is just the board game board games? I know. It's, it's all these again, though. It's the problem. <laughs> um, so it's an interesting list. We'll start with Crusader Kings in the middle there because this is the other game we played when we went and previewed Europa Universalis. Crusader Kings, a video game, is this big, sprawling, immersive sim of a thing. Um, the video, the board game doesn't really capture that super well. It's not terrible, but it doesn't really capture what it is like to play that game. And there's a lot of other board games that I find more interesting in that field. Resident Evil 2, the board game, it's a bunch of miniatures on a map playing through Resident Evil 2, which is great if you like Resident Evil 2. Starcraft, the board game, has been out of print forever, but they did bring it back as Forbidden Stars, which is very good, but that's also been out of print now forever. So hopefully they bring one version back because the core mechanics there, the way you're like blind stacking and then effectively bidding on these locations is amazing. And then Doom, the board game, has like a lot of DNA to it, um, because they and they brought it back not too long ago, but this is the kind of prototype or precursor um, for Descent, and then effectively everything that came out of Descent. Um, it's the original back in two thousand four, and then they released an update for it in twenty sixteen. This is specifically the twenty sixteen update because it makes all those changes, um, and it's quite good as a result. Excellent. Yeah, no, could not agree more. Uh, unfortunately, it's one of those things where I don't know. 
I mean, I, I understand. Like, I don't, I don't want to beat up on these things just because they are the game, and they're trying to do a thing. But yeah, I don't know. Um, oof. Yeah, I mean, I, Star Starcraft for me is is it's got to go forward. It's a brilliant game. Doom is a brilliant game. Sure. Just, it's old fantasy flight and IPs, and then licenses lapsed and new versions haven't come out. But I hope they do. Crusader Kings has been disappointing for me at least and resident mm -hmm. evil 2 is if you like resident evil 2 it is the board game version of that yeah i mean starcraft the board game has like become the stuff of legends it's been a grail game uh, the brood war expansion which was the brood war expansion for the video game and for the board game supposedly makes it epic beyond epicness i think our friend dave owns a copy of this but i've never played it and again i know everything about it because i was one of the biggest starcraft players of you know for a time and i still i still watch and play starcraft 2 so I, I think a lot of that stuff does come over so yeah starcraft the board game and doom the board game all right uh pool g we got Frostpunk the board game which i know you talked about recently yes small world of warcraft Ooh, so tiny small world plus world of warcraft <laughs> uh monster hunter world the board game and skyrim the adventure game gotcha so, well, we talked. We've talked about these, and I, you know, Frostpunk the board game does a great job of. Again, it's a huge game on the table, but it needs to be considering how much is in the video game. So again, it spares no. It, it you know, like Europa, it 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 just it does it has everything. It just has everything, and it works really well, and it gives you that feel. And then Small World of Warcraft, huge Small World fan. I I pushback and did not pick this up until much much later but again if azeroth the whole world is is a thing for you this makes a lot of sense like the the factions the special powers how they combo together the different islands in play it works perfectly oftentimes like you know games are like oh that's a paste it on theme this really works this makes a lot of sense this fits perfectly so um those certainly would be my two picks anthony yeah, I think I agree. Uh, all four of these are very good at what they do. Like Monster Hunter World is very much like, and that's a perfect IP for like, let's wander around a map and look for stuff because that's what Monster Hunter World is with combat. Um, Skyrim, the adventure game, same thing. Like it is an adventure RPG and the the board game definitely represents that. But Small World of Warcraft, it's a very clever and creative take on the uh, Small World formula. And Frostpunk is just like this big explosion of a game that works in so many ways. Absolutely. All right. All right. Our... And then our last pool, Pool H, we've got XCOM, the board game, the real-time app-based game. Um, Fallout, the, specifically the one from Fantasy Flight. Pokemon, the card game. That's right. We included it. And Horizon Zero Dawn, the board game. So I, I had to throw Pokemon TCG in here. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people forget, but the video games did come first. They, they based did. the card game on the video game because they're like, oh, we've got all these Pokemon. Let's make a card game. And it's now the second biggest collectible game in the world. And it makes them hundreds of millions of dollars. If you say so, I've never heard of it. Yeah, sure. Uh, never? Oh, okay. <laughs> Great. Well, we, we just have a friend of ours who just constantly posts that he made like a billion dollars off of selling a pack of a thing. So, so much money yeah so i have, my, I have to i have to block that out anthony because i chose board games as my <laughs> hobby instead of collectible card games yeah so 
It's good. Yeah, I have to. I have to pretend that that's that whole other genre of collectible stuff does not exist because it, yeah, yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, there's there's other games based on like card games based on video games, but this is the one. Oh, this right? is sincerely the one. Yeah. And then XCOM, the board game, is actually a fantastic board game. It is. It was very controversial when it came out because I feel like it was this and Alchemist came out at the same time. And these were the Mm -hmm. first games back in like 2016 that were like, we're using apps. And people were like, oh, no, 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 no. I hate this. (laughs) That was me. I did Um, that thing. (laughs) But the experience was still fun. It was a good experience. It plays really well. I don't disagree that maybe the games won't have longevity because of the apps issue. Mm-hmm. But it's still good, and it represents XCOM effectively, right? The real-time strategy aspect of it. Fallout doesn't work for me in a lot of ways. I just found it kind of dull, and there's some, like, dead spots in the gameplay. Where the expansions yes. apparently address that. That's a Fantasy Flight issue, but... Sure. And, um, and Horizon Zero Dawn, the board game, of all these, the board game sprawling miniatures out games, is, at least of the ones I've played, is the least interesting to me. And I like that world. I like Horizon World, but... It's just, you need a bunch of the expansion stuff to make it work halfway decently, and it just it never really clicked for me. Yeah. So, XCOM and Pokemon. <laughs> and again, I, I mean, again, we, we, can't, we can't mock it too much. It's a fantastic system. Yeah. And it's only because of out of pure, heavenly inspired genius from Garfield that it is not number one. Because again, it, it, it's number one in every other way. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it works because uh, it, it's so accessible in a way that yes. magic can't be. No, not even close. Yeah. All right. So we have our 16. We're going to run through. We're going to pair them off. You're all used to this. We've done our uh, March Madness for, for years. Mm-hmm. Um, we've Place just your talked... bets, people. Place your bets. Place those bets. Woo! Yell, uh, them, into the... yell them into your podcast player. And right. We will We will record them somehow. Yeah. All right. So first up, we have Mix versus Midians versus Shovel Knight Dungeon Duels. Ooh. Both very good. Like both. Uh, Shovel Knight. I obviously th- obviously Shovel Knight plays more like the video game. True. By far, Mix versus Minions is just epic, like in every way, class, or form. What do you think, Anthony? It's it's really hard. And, you know, the thing about Mechs vs. Minions that's always hard when you talk about this is it would be a good video game. It would be a great video game. It's just not the video game that they it's based on. That's yes. what makes it tricky. I, I like Shovel Knight Dungeon Duels a lot. I don't know that it... You wouldn't turn that into its own game. It's just kind of a interpretation of the mechanics of basically any side-scroller. It could be any of them. Um, it just happens to be this one. So I I lean towards Max versus Midians because I feel like if we went why like which of these represents the video game better, we would have made different choices in the pools. Sure. Um, because some of those are just like, well, the game's not great, but it represents the video game pretty well. <laughs> so yeah, and and again, I I think the the thing we went into this with and we joked about throughout, and it, it fits is these games are are like it's the board game. It first and foremost it's got to be a great game regardless of the ip and everything yeah. else like if it's not a great game i don't care what else whatever else happens i will nitpick the heck out of it if it doesn't match the video game but is it a great game mechs versus minions is a great game yeah yeah it's just a weird one but and again the and again 
it's it's weird, but everything else is thematically true of the game itself. Sure. Yep. Well, that's my pick. Um, All right. Mine as well. So Mechs versus Minion moves on to the next round. Alrighty. Uh, next up, we have Bloodborne, the board game versus Gears of War, the board game. So we've got slinking around, <laughs> putting your weapons on, hiding behind stuff, or slinking around, putting your weapons on, and getting killed repeatedly. Which one do you like better? Yeah, yeah. They're both so... very dark and grimy looking games, too. <laughs> <laughs> they are. It's, 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 you know, which, which plastic miniatures do you want to have tactical skirmish kind of spies slash blow things up? I'm going to go with Gears of War, the board game, because I think it plays better in a board game where Bloodborne, not as much. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I, I'm honestly, I'm pretty drawn on both of these. Like, I've played them both. They're both good representations of yeah. what they're trying to do, but they also have issues that I found with both. So, yes. Um, Gears of War is shorter and doesn't make you buy 400 things. Is it? Is it? <laughs> you and, don't say. Yeah, honestly, Bloodborne, not out of print, but might as well be when you can't get all the stuff for it. Yeah, so. it's not. No, I, I think as a gameplay is concerned, it has what it needs to have, and, and Gears of War does that better. Yeah. All right, uh, next up we have Age of Empires 3 versus Sid Meier's Civilization, A New Dawn. Ooh. All right. Uh, I, oh gosh, again, it comes back to, like, which one does video game better, which, which one is a better yes. game. Sid, Sid Meier's Civilization, A New Dawn is a better game, in my yeah. opinion. Um, Age of Empires 3... Well, even still, I don't know that it does the video game any better. It is like a worker placement interpretation of that world. Uh, I'm going to go with the new Dawn, both on personal preference and with the expansion, like the kind of breadth that it gives you and this strategy of that action selection mechanic. It's not the perfect representation of Civilization by any means, but it's a good game that could be a good video game. I I prefer Age of Empires 3, but what is what does the expansions because i played the base game i don't know the expansions my my pick would be hsm 3 but what do the expansions do so the the new dawn expansion uh the, the main reason i originally picked it up was like oh it's got um solo mode kind of tacked onto it but it came out during covid in 2020 which is a shame because i feel like it could have done a lot of things but it basically it lets you expand further so it's, it's called terra incognita um so you have more exploration there's new landscapes um the, the basically the game board becomes more dynamic and changes a little bit more so one of the main issues that people had with the original is that you don't get like the fog of war effect you don't get the expansion elements you you're missing one of the x's of the 4x they kind of add that in as much as they can in this form then they add there's new governments there's new districts there's new leaders which is more asymmetry so just the typical fantasy flight more options sure um so the exploration i think is the big thing because gotcha. that was missing in the original game and then just a lot of variability around the rest okay all right you talked me into it because again yeah. I, I think the, i think the base game does not do it but again the expand that sounds like the expansions do fill that hole yeah all right move that one forward uh next up we have dwarf romantic versus master of orion the board game uh, we've talked about Dwarf Romantic a lot lately, so... <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, it's almost like it won the biggest award in gaming. <laughs> uh, Master of Orion is super under the radar. Uh, I don't even know if it's in print anymore, honestly. Um, mm -hmm. But it is a action point selection hand management type of game. It's very small box. It was like 30 or $40. Uh, and 
it does a really good job of capturing what it's like to not play through this game because that's a big sprawling strategy game and this is like a 45 minute version of that sure but it captures like the like the races that you're playing with and then like the variability and that game world really well um i like this game a lot it was i remember being surprised because i don't really play master of orion it's not a game series that i know very well and the board game because i think it was a review copy that we picked up really clicked for me a lot nice so both of these games I like a lot. So basically you get to choose. <laughs> so. Oof. Yeah. I mean, I, I think my, if I had to pick it, mm, again, like you said, it, they're both reasonably relatively in the same kind of sphere. I think if any other games would match up, it'd be clearer and simpler. I'm going to let the spiel this Yaris kind of make the, the tiebreaker here. I'm going to go with Dorfamatic. That's fair. Yeah. It's yeah. new and you can find it. So, <laughs> but also like they both do, they both do the video game, right. And they both do just enough. But I, I guess on some level, like Dorfamatic, like if it's, if it's so good that like, it's, it's great for general appeal. I yeah. think it's nailed it. Then I think they've, yeah, they've done it for sure. All right, next up we have Pokemon the card game versus Doom the board game. Yeah. All right, man, which one you got here? <laughs> Pokemon the board the card game doesn't exist cuz if it did it wouldn't make any money at all and people wouldn't be buying it and selling it for tens of thousands if not hundreds <laughs> of thousands of dollars and No, board games are the way to go, kids. Um yeah, Pokemon I got to capture all the sadness that I have. <laughs> Didn't save those Charmanders when I should have, kids. I know. Same, same. Every time I look at my kids' Pokemon cards, I'm like, I had so much money's worth of cards when I was your age. <laughs> you look at that and you go, you could have went to college, man. And I mean, like, one of the good colleges. Like, so many of the good colleges. You could go to multiples. Join <laughs> uh, trade gonna... school. <laughs> Pokemon is like a legacy. Like, it has a huge legacy. It's a big everything. And it represents the games well enough it I think does for me i'm gonna go with doom though because i think turning that video game into a board game in 2004 was an accomplishment on its own and then that yes. turned into this big sprawling system that we've now seen in like eight different games all yes. of which are very good so they are i think for me that one works better as a video game adaptation into a board game whereas pokemon okay. you kind of forget that that's what it is sure gotcha so does that lead lead us to the dreaded dice roll oh I don't know. Do you have a die in front of you? I do. Prepare for this. <laughs> I I am all ready. Got a d twenty right here. All right, so, do it. Uh, we'll give odds to Pokemon and we'll give evens to Doom the board game. All right, here we go. Oh my god! You Doom the board game moves on to the next round. <laughs> the ah, the dice are on my side. <laughs> the, the irony is that there's a lot of RNG in Pokemon, so it's a That's lot true. of coin flips and die rolls in that game. That's true. That's true. They should have won that. Yep. All right, next up we have StarCraft, the board game, versus Europa Universalis. Oh, boy. So we've got a really out-of-print game with no way to play it, unless you have all uh -oh. the ones, versus a six-hour epic that there's no way to play unless you have six hours to sit down and play with. <laughs> and a lot of and friends. And a lot of, of friends. It's yeah. just one to four players. It's not a crazy yeah. player count. It's just super long. No, no. It's, yeah. Do you have that many friends? I mean, you need a, a large friend group to be able to have four people to play that long no i'm That's, sorry it's, that is true that is yeah true. um personally i would always play starcraft if someone said i have starcraft like i want to play that 
uh, especially if you've got Brood War. Yeah. I have Forbidden Stars. It's on a shelf somewhere. I love that. I did mm-hmm. not back Europa Universalis. I would play it, but I don't think I'd want to own it because I have mm-hmm. so many other big sprawling games like that. And I think that's the thing when, uh, you know, again, and it's not to its fault. Like, it needs to be that long in order to really get the feel yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for the video game. So I can't fault it for that. But again, the fact that Forbidden Stars, I think that's a very good point that that was kind of, I don't know, like, it's almost, it carries on the tradition, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, it's just the same argument that I made for Doom, which, yeah. Take it or leave it. Some people might be listening to me like that's not an argument. I'm like, fair enough, but that's what I'm using. So. All right, let's let's do it because again, I I think Forbidden Stars also, which is out of print, which is painful on yeah. top of everything else, but it 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 lived again, and I think it will live again. And I think just because it does it does that RTS, which was my favorite of all game types of play, so very well. Yeah, I'm gonna go with yeah, definitely going with StarCraft 14. Okay. Uh, all right. Next matchup: XCOM versus Frostpunk, the board game. Ooh. I'm sorry, XCOM, the board game versus Frostpunk, the board game. Let's say forget. <laughs> That's the expansion. Yeah. So you want like the the weird app based thing, real time, or the big sprawling table hog? Yeah. I, and again, I, I I we can argue and have fun with it and laugh at it because I played it and I have trauma from it. But Frostpunk, the board game does all that because it does not have an app and wants to put it in front of you so i think it earns the words the board game i i would agree i was gonna make that same argument it's like you gotta take if we're talking about adaptation from digital to analog it's got to be purely analog to move forward absolutely i'm with you all right and then last matchup here before we move on to the next round is this war of mine the board game versus small world of warcraft both very good. Both make a lot of sense. Both play out. Um, geez, this this is kind of a split decision for me. I mean, both of these games would have went to my final round. So, I don't know, Anthony. Like, ugh. ugh. Um, I, I got to say, for me, it's I'm going to go with this War of Mine. Okay. I think what it did as a video game was so hard sure. to do and they still manage to do that without it becoming hack and eyed or tropey in sure. a board game format and i can't imagine how hard that was how much time they must have spent on that small world of warcraft i feel like wrote itself <laughs> like, yeah i mean i think small once world... somebody thought of that they're like oh yeah this is easy yeah i, I no, I, I if you put it that way for sure because i think small world of warcraft is like hey this is a game that we want to put out and they're like yeah we already have it. it's called small world and they're like really like yeah no it's perfect it's simple it's easy it's it's exactly what you want they're like all right great we're done right like this this meeting could have been an email kind of situation but (laughs) this war of mine like they had the audacity to release it as a board game and like and still somehow get the feels how did they get the feels out of cardboard man i that's what i'm saying that's why it's so impressive yes all right uh so we got eight left we'll kind of move to rapid fire here a little bit let's Uh, do it Mechs versus Minions versus Gears of War, the board game. Go. Mechs versus Minions. All right. Mechs versus Minions. Woot. Sid Meier's Civilization, A New Dawn versus Dorf Romantic. Dorf Romantic. Yeah, I have to agree. Ah! <laughs> this day is mine. Uh, Doom, the board game versus StarCraft, the board game. StarCraft, the board game. Uh, okay. All right. My uh, Zerg rushed really quickly and you didn't get a chance to say what you wanted. So therefore, I win. Two gritty old uh, 
games about war and death, Frostpunk versus this war of mine. How uh, depressed do you want to be? Oh, uh, uh, this war of mine. All right, full depression. <laughs> full depression. I think I think it does depression in a shorter amount of time, and. I mean, if you if you if you can ask anything from depression is come on, get on with it already. Get over with, yeah, 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 yeah. Good argument, good <laughs> argument. Uh, all right, next versus minions versus dwarf romantic. All right, now Ooh. we're getting interesting. Ah, uh, I'm gonna let you pick here. Oh, okay. Um, this is hard because I I feel like if <laughs> I, I'm not metagaming this, but I'm like I don't want us to just pick the game that just won the spiel either because that feels weird. Um. But well, I, could... I want to go with Dwarf Romantic here because I like both games equally. I think they're very good. They're both cooperative, um, which makes them kind of on par there. Dwarf Romantic's quicker, adds the campaign into it, and it just represents the game better, the video game better. Nice. All right. Dwarf Romantic moves on to next round. And then StarCraft, the board game, versus This War of Mine, the board game. I will say StarCraft, the board game, is tremendously sad if you know the story. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it is very much is very much of a sad game uh, obviously if you pick the other one i get to pick this one anthony it's going to be sad and sad and sad and it's war it's this war of mine yeah yeah i got that one i'm with you all right <laughs> the final matchup we have the bright and colorful and Woo! beautiful tile laying game cooperative fun work with your family door fermentic <laughs> well, versus yeah this game about people dying in a war zone <laughs> I mean, oh. technically, you're working with your family. I mean, ooh, ooh. <laughs> um, all right. So, we Dwarf Romantic versus this War of Mine. I, I don't even know how you compare these two. Well, again, I think everything being equal, as far as like, is it a good game? Both of these are very good games. Does it depict the video game? Then we go to that side, right? This, and both of these do an excellent job of portraying the video game. And then, you know, at the end of the day, right, as far as, like, what does this game give you? What's unique, innovative, fun, dynamic, special, universal, you know, what's the modern-day classic here? Um, for me, obviously, Dorfmanic has won the Spiel des Jahres, so it is a universally loved, dynamic game. But if I am looking for something that actually, in fact, plays like the video game, and in fact, what that video game does is it kind of somewhat on some level can possibly traumatize you in a in a good way. If it's, if there is such a thing, the board game does it as well, if not so even more so because you're at the table. So um, my vote here is this war of mine. Yeah, I, th I think you make a good argument. It's. What this game is able to do in terms of there are only so many games that can make you really feel something mm -hmm. like like in the actions that you're taking. Right. The narrative can do things, obviously, but like physical actions that you're taking, the agency that you take at the table, uh, making you feel part of that experience, like Freedom, the Underground Railroad is another one. Uh, this War of Mine. There, there aren't that many that can really pull it off. Right. Especially in a package that's I don't want to say accessible, but this game is you know, a couple hours long. It's yeah. not a tremendous number of mechanics or, or components. It's like a three point something. It's not super heavy or long or complex. It's not like a GMT game exploring complex themes that takes six hours to play. It is difficult, but that's intentional. 
right? You know what you're getting into when you sit down to play this game. And so I, I don't want to get into the argument of like what's art or what's not art, but I think this war of mine is a more interesting, impactful, and effective game in, sure. in bringing you in and giving you agency and making you feel something in the same way that the video game does. Yeah. So I agree is what I'm trying to say. All right. Well, this war of mine, the board game, wins the World Cup of video game themes. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Hopefully this was a lot of fun and hopefully you play This War of Mine, the board game. Until next time, this is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care, everyone. Bye. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.